0: Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the See Me podcast. This series we're looking at our journey of our social movement. Uh, We created a report on that, the journey of the social movement report, which you can find at report.seeme.scotland.org, And it's all about the impact that people have been having across Scotland in tackling stigma and discrimination, Our volunteers, our partners, people uh, in workplaces, health and social care schools, a huge variety of really inspiring stories of the differences people are making. This week we have uh, a really fun interview that we did with Heidi from the Murray Wellbeing Hub, um, uh, speaking all about the amazing work they've been doing up there and the huge amounts of champions they've managed to, to get in the local area. Today, uh, for this, I am joined as always by D. Hello, D. Hello, Nick. We are joined by Claire as well. Hello, Claire. Hi. Claire is our monitoring and research officer, and we are also joined by our social movement manager, Tony. Hello. Hello. So, yeah, Murray, that was um, we. It was an amazing. I guess can't really talk about Murray uh, and the work done up there without initially starting on just what it took to get to Murray to speak <laughs> to ID
1: literally just thought of that and went oh god what a journey that was
0: <laughs> it was it was kind of um it was quite a nice day i remember at first but it had been raining a lot around there and we got as far as Aviemore on the train um but yeah. then the then it just stopped didn't it and the line was completely flooded and how were we in Aviemore for about an hour? hour Felt now. like the whole day. <laughs> it, no, we were
2: there for about three hours. Uh, at least it's that long. Yeah, because we were stuck on the train for an hour, not knowing so, what was yeah. happening, and then we had to get off the train, and then we spent an hour waiting for like a bus that never came, and then we got a taxi at the end.
0: So we yeah we did it. Yeah, can you remember like they kept having the bus pull up. At different sides of the street, yeah. so whenever we got near to the front of the queue, the next bus would appear down the road, and we'd be at the back again. And I think we missed about three buses it like was that before horrible. I getting was so a taxi grumpy. to Inverness. And we were doing social media training with him as well, weren't we? Speaking to Heidi yeah. that day, and um, ended up what starting the training at about half six at night.
2: I think so. I think it was even later than that because by the time. Because we got, yeah, we got this, we got a taxi to Inverness. Um, that was fun. And then when we got to Inverness, remember, we were like, oh, my parents live here, so, like, worst case scenario, if the trains to Elgin are cancelled, then we'll just stay here. So by the time we got into, yeah, Murray, it was it was late. But by that point, we'd done a train, a taxi, another
1: train. Yeah, it was... And quite a few yeah. running back and forth the road to Trying to catch a bus <laughs> Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, And then Yeah So we did uh, the social media training With some of their champions So then we started the interview with Heidi I think It must have been about half right, nine, nine o'clock at night it, Yeah Just it was it was a late one That late by the time we finished Because we hadn't had dinner or anything either Had we so just run straight there to go to them Yeah What did we Claire we you to got to Asda. go home. <laughs> Yeah we went to Asda and- <laughs>
2: Nick and I went to the 24-hour Asda at like half 10, 11 at night. And then by the time we we stayed in like the best hotel I've ever seen. With the ghost. Mm. With the ghost. It was haunted and the decor (laughs) was the best. It was like 70s decor. It was haunted. And yeah,
0: it was good. And the breakfast the next morning, they smoked their salmon in fairy washing up liquid by the taste of it. (laughs)
2: It was fun, and then we were straight back on the train back
1: down to Glasgow.
0: Yeah, it was a good trip. You really missed out on that one, Tony. You I had loved a great it. Time.
1: I got to see my family for a whole five minutes before I was back on
3: the train.
0: <laughs> that was nice.
3: I did. I did miss out on that, but um, I think that it just it really highlights the fact that it's so so important. Even though it's really difficult to get to these rural communities, it's so important that for national organisations to make that effort because it's it's so appreciated and valuable and, and much needed, you know. But I, I get that it was really difficult, but um, I think it was very valued by um, the Murray Wellbeing Hub in particular. I think had
2: the had the weather been fine, it would have been plain sailing, but yeah. it's just the,
1: the elements. It's a it good was. lesson. We should just go for longer next time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Spend more time influencing up there
0: maybe no they did it was it was definitely despite the travel definitely worth going up there um but also really good i guess illustration as to why it's so important for CME to be working with local partners um I mean, not only and primarily because they're the ones that know best what's happening in those areas. They know the best ways to tackle stigma and discrimination. They know what's going to work. They know the people, the communities. They're the real experts, which someone based a few hundred miles away can't be. But also, how important is that that you have people there who can make a difference, who are physically there because it isn't always physically that easy to get there. Um, but is again important that we try and anyone who is working tackling discrimination across the country is gets up to see people and doesn't just make it feel like it's something that's stuck in the central belt of scotland or in the cities and that it's really important to tackle discrimination across scotland and that means being across scotland and doing it and murray's such a a great area in what they're doing and they've really pioneered a lot of stuff and got some amazing champions and Heidi speaks in the interview about the importance of linking in with us just to kind of have other people who are doing similar things and a feeling that you're not alone and being one of the only ones trying to make a difference in this way and speaks a lot, Tony, about working with yourself quite closely and being two kind of managers of social movements, leading them and being able to bounce off each other and, and tips and that. And how Tony, how have you found, why is it important to to work with local leaders and people with this kind of expertise and knowledge when trying to like grow the social movement?
3: Yeah well I guess um, touches on what you were saying about you know of course a national organisation we're we're unable to reach every corner of Scotland but I guess that if we can tap into the resources that are there in terms of local leaders I think that that's that's key because they are as you said experts in their own community but also they're, they're able to sustain and maintain the movement going forward and i think that's the key bit. murray's sustaining and maintaining a local movement in a way that as a national organization we would never be able to do it and we, we, we it wouldn't be right for us to do either so it's important that we tap into the potential in terms of the local leaders that are already um active and doing things there at the moment
0: claire i guess you've got an interesting perspective as working at CME and you've looked at loads of the work they've been doing as far as monitoring the stuff they've been doing but also that is that's where you're from that is your area and was it interesting like to hear what was going on up there have you been aware of it much before what kind of stuff what are some of the, the things up there that they've been doing that have really impressed you
1: yeah I think you really touched on it um well from Murray as well, and uh, my mom's one of the prime suspects that always says, oh, these national organisations never come up here, (laughs) like, never see them up here. (laughs) So for once I've got the opportunity to go, oh, no, you've got a local hub, and they've got, uh, they're working with um, some of the work um, they were speaking to us about um, that they're doing in the college, and they've got, um, my brother goes to that college or has gone to that college, so knowing that resource is there to support or be able to signpost Um, some of the work in workplaces as well it's people that i know that are like that i went to school with that are in those workplaces so i'm like ah this is really broadening so for me it's a really it's a really different picture and i really like i like seeing it um kind of like trickle through in that and as you said there's a they've got that good relationship in the, in the local community that they can get into these, approach these organisations, whereas I'm, I'm pretty sure if we tried to even approach them with um, the with travel restrictions and, and the amount of time that we could actually get up and down it would be a lot less engaged than they're able to do in a local level which is really cool.
0: It is, and I particularly like the idea that I've got now that whenever you arrive home, you announce to your mum that the national organisation has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: yes.
1: It's it's common, like, obviously I hear it from my mum, but it is a, a general feeling, it, like, um, yeah. in Murray that, that we get forgotten about. So it's, it's really nice to have, and not even a small programme anymore, it's a pretty big programme mm-hmm. that is spreading out with... Elgin, as well, which sometimes you get stuck in Elgin too, so it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's really exciting to see them just growing and growing.
0: It is, I think they got over a hundred champions, haven't they? Um,
1: yeah, I think I was reading it's up to about 200 actually. 200, um, wow. yeah, yeah, um, doing challenges of stigma wherever they work or go to school or just within their friends and families, they're speaking well as we say a lot about challenging stigma in where you where you feel most comfortable challenging it
0: yeah having such a large volume of champions within an area is going to do so much because it's going to almost hopefully going to get to the point where it's hard not to be either in a workplace or a school or in your community and there isn't someone there who is a a Murray wellbeing champion and who's champion in tackling stigma and discrimination. Do you find it interesting, Tony, working in different areas and seeing the slight because their champions are slightly different to our champions in what they do in that programme, still with the same aim of what they're trying to achieve, but is it how do you work with how do you work with different groups across the country who have the same aims but want to do it in a slightly different way based on their knowledge of their areas?
3: I think that's the key to to any sort of community-led work. We can come in and say, you know, this is the tools, this is the resources, this is the sort of activities and messaging that we are promoting. But I guess that what we need to be really comfortable about is making sure that that's flexible and adaptable so that people can take it forward in the way that's right for them. And I think that Murray, in terms of the growth of their champions, have done that in such an interesting and different way. So where we might say to be a champion or a volunteer at CME nationally. There's quite a specific journey that you'll go through to be recruited and trained and supported. At Murray, because they've got that local resource, they're able to say, as Claire picked up on, if you want to be a champion, here's some information, sign up and, and get involved and do it at a, at a level that, that you're most comfortable with and that wherever you are in terms of your community and your workplace, friends, family, and I think that that's really exciting and also it's, it's great that us as a national organisation can learn from that and say that it's possible to grow a movement in different ways and I think that the way they've done it with the volume of champions is just is really great learning for us, I think.
0: It is. They're, they are a really good organisation. They've been involved with CME for quite a while in lots of different ways and Heidi speaks about some of that in the interview that we'll hear about how they've engaged with see me over the years and Heidi herself has been involved for a long long time in challenging mental health stigma and discrimination and working in this area and doing loads of work one of the things that I did when we were up there and um, you did some social media training with yeah. them and that was I thought it was really nice they seemed really engaged but I guess that's really impactful way that of making a difference and that people can link up with us as well is that if they are they have a group of people who are really keen to do something it's amazing to then be able to bring them like some sort of help and support them with skills because we couldn't do that without them we couldn't just rock up in in Elgin and be like who wants social media training like we need (laughs) we need that partnership that have there and how did it was it was great how did you find doing that and why do you think that's so important as well that we have different partners so they can bring people together and then we can influence them and they can influence us back
2: I think you just hit the nail on the head there it's that it's it was a joint you know it was a joint learning experience for us and them you know we kind of talked to them about how they can make the most of um social media to you know kind of Promote the the great ideas that we've got uh, that they've got sorry not that we've got um, <laughs> and also we can learn from them about the great ideas that they've got which were super inspiring and actually you know it was kind of like a uh, we say we delivered social media training and and we did but they also kind of fed back to us about some amazing ideas that they had as well so it was kind of like a a joint kind of. Um, yeah a joint experience in that and I think it is really really important that that we get up there and we we share what we know as well so that they can take those ideas and and broaden the movement as much as possible and um share their own stories and and voices of lived experience um as well so yeah no it was uh it was the first one I'd done so it was a little bit like wow, oh, it was a little bit intimidating but they were so lovely and receptive and just really great energy considering it was that late at night um you know lots of really great ideas and energy and you know we always say that you know like social media is such a a broad you know far-reaching thing but sometimes you know as Claire quite rightly said in smaller communities you maybe don't feel as comfortable talking about things and and putting things out there so just kind of finding creative ways to do that and um kind of sharing all these great events that Murray Wellbeing Hub have got going on. Um, That's an interesting,
0: really really interesting point about being in a smaller community, not just the fact that it's kind of further away or harder to get to or whatever it may be, but actually because it's a smaller community that more people know you, you know more people percentage-wise. Claire, do you think that can make it harder for people to... To speak out and to, to share what they're going through and to be these leaders, um, because they, there's going to be so many people who are like, oh, did you hear that? So and so is doing this or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, and I think Heidi speaks about it a little bit as well as um, and I touched on it when you're in your workplace in a in a small rural area. It's quite likely that some of the people within your workplace are people you went to school with or you know their mum or you know their brother. Or so it's not just about um, letting your employer know so that they can make reasonable adjustments. It's, it's that whole bigger picture of, oh, what if so-and-so finds out that tells so-and-so and, and that kind of ripple effect, which obviously you still get in the city, but there's less... I would assume less connections within like your day-to-day life that are like you can maybe be at work, you've disclosed at work, but there's other sections that you maybe don't want to because you don't feel as comfortable in, whereas locally um, they're all intertwined and um, so I've got one of my personal stories is it it went to come from a village, I think there's about a thousand people. Um, and I knew I needed out when I went to the GP practice. And by the afternoon, my auntie had asked me why I was there. I was like, how? Wow. How did you find that? How? <laughs> and it's yeah. just... So, it, 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 yeah, news can travel
0: fast, definitely. <laughs> it can. Uh, and I suppose makes it even, I guess, more impressive that people are willing to actually put themselves out there and be like, yeah, I'm championing this, I care about it. Because unfortunately we know like the only the only reason we exist is because mental health stigma and discrimination still exists and it's not an easy thing just to say yeah i've struggled with this or i've been through this or even actually sometimes just i care about this and i want to make a difference because then then people will be like oh why do you care why do you want to make a difference and for people to do that in in communities across scotland is amazing um we've worked in in lanarkshire as well in north Ayrshire, in the scottish borders as well lots of kind of rural communities across scotland there, particularly around the borders and always interesting to see the different ways that people approach doing this type of work so is there anything in particular that you've seen that murray have done when we've been working with them that you think really had an impact or made a difference or even anything that you've seen them do and thought oh we should maybe try that
3: yeah i think that um one of the things that was reminding me when claire was talking about that kind of almost like a local ethos and culture and thinking about how do you change the minds of you know local people so that people feel more comfortable to talk openly and stuff. And I think that the foundational element that Murray has started to really permeate right through is this idea about growing the champions, but not necessarily having to like, expose yourself or disclose a mental illness, but actually growing that peer support of... 200 plus people and connecting in with a national organization who's promoting the same messages just can start to and Heidi mentions it to me a hundred times and she might have mentioned it in her um, interview with you guys as well but she talks about a sense of hope and I guess that inspires more people to think about this isn't just the way I'm feeling this is a, a national movement that I can connect up with. And that I've got a peer group locally of two hundred and growing. I guess of diverse people who feel the same and want to create this local change. And I think that that's just been a really, really useful thing locally for Murray is that they've got they're building this local peer support so that if you are struggling, you've got a group of people around about you who are trying to create the same change. And I think that's been a real, real win for them and as they continue to grow that, that will be a such a important foundation to, to spring from going forward.
0: It's really feeling part of something, isn't it? And feeling part of something locally, but also feeling part of something across the country and the importance of us being linked up with different organisations. I think Heidi does say that, is that you feel like you are part of something big. It's, it's not just in your street or, or even in your house or your street or your town, or your area but it's across the country and you're part of that you might be doing it a slightly different way um but you're part of something big a movement trying to make a change trying to do something different and really inspiring others to get involved in that sense and she speaks as well about which you touched on there as well tony an element of doing that which is it's kind of it is it's social contact and we talk about social contact a lot as well the idea that listening to someone or speaking to someone face to face or even reading a story or seeing it on tv or something a real person's story and experience is the best way to change people's minds change the way people behave especially towards something like mental health as well and i guess maybe with an open question Claire, you looking a lot of our monitoring stuff or are, are there any particular effective social contact things that you've seen come out from ourselves, from ourselves, partners, over the years while working at CME.
1: Yeah, so I think um, initially, just touching on what Tony said to start with, the um, the peer support aspect that they've been building up has been very much to tackle the self stigma initially, um, to help build confidence in in the people that actually um, reduce that self stigma. Um, the social context. Uh, sorry, social contact aspect. Then I think then is it like building onto that? So building those peer supports, building um, reducing that self stigma, and then being, being able to then go and and be able to find a, a part of your story that you want to share. Um, and I know through a lot of the feedback that we get from, uh, whether we have somebody um, telling their story at an event, whether it's in a workplace, um, through um, within schools, it is always the thing that people speak about. It is constantly the feedback that we get back that is just, I can't believe that person has gone through that, or I can't believe they were brave enough to tell their story, or I just that feeling of kind of nearly shock when they hear it and not in a bad way no it, like it's a very positive emotional reaction that people have to this and as i said it constantly comes through every time we look at or evaluate our program people constantly saying it was that lived experience voice that i can remember from whenever it was um i remember what they said i remember um what they went through and that's what Makes
0: me want to change. Yeah, mm. so, yeah. So, and Heidi, yeah, she does. She speaks about that self-stigma element and that being able to come out and and sort of feel good about yourself as well. So, we'll listen to that now and, and play the interview in with Heidi. Really interesting. Also, filmed very late at night after hundreds of miles of <laughs> traveling and training. Um, but no, it's great. You yeah. <laughs> would <laughs> But yes, yeah, so you have Heidi coming up now.
4: No, I was working for RamH, the Renfrewshire Association for Mental Health and I used to do um, an education role where I'd go into schools and I used to use some of the CME materials then. So the materials that go way back to the black and white little boy and girl, if you remember those, I find those in a cupboard. Yeah, so remember using those. Um, but CME was always this sort of entity that existed, a bit like Choose Life, there was no people that I knew really. And it wasn't until, I think, probably um, just a few years ago where I was involved um, in the project that was around sort of peer research and using uh, that kind of approach and working out around social movements and things like that, which was the early days of a lot of the materials that you guys have now. And through that, um, several things emerged. One of those things was obviously working closely with CME, yeah, so I started doing stuff then. So obviously I had a bit of a relationship with CME. Um and would go down and did bits and pieces around um, how we can use BPU researchers and things. But um, at the end of that, because we had the start of the relationship, that was the point where I was in Murray trying to find funding to start a social movement locally. And because I had the beginnings of a relationship with CME, they were also... Um, uh, they had funding... And we went for funding with them. And that was really where the beginning of the proper relationship was. So we had funding as part of the Murray Wellbeing Hub project, which is going back a few years now. And that money plus money that we had from the Alliance was how we managed to set up the Murray Wellbeing Hub. And so we used that that year. And then after that, it's been a kind of different relationship. Although we've had um, funding through CB, it's very much a partnership approach since that point. So I think through the way that we developed our social movement, CME was learning as funders, but also they were working at how they wanted to work with us. And we were also working how we wanted to work with funders. And it's a completely different relationship than we have, probably with any of the other funders that we have.
0: In what way is is the relationship different?
4: The relationship's different because it's totally mutual. There's not, um, initially when we applied for funding from CME, um, it wasn't because you have that whole thing where you've got to fill in an application form and you have a lot of, you know, you do it's kind of faceless. Even though I knew people that see me, I wasn't kind of sure what, you know, was looking for and things like that. Um, and also it was very early in my confidence, I suppose, as an activist, in terms of taking what I'd been used to doing just with me and trying to find funding so we could help grow a, a, a movement of people, you know, a, a mass. So... Um, what was different was that basically they liked what we were doing and they said, look, we like what you're doing. And I said, well, if you like what we're doing, have you got something you can help us with? And they went, actually, yes, we do. And actually, you could be helping us. And then we just, but we just did a kind of, there was a kind of like, with every relationship, you start to build trust. And over the last couple of years or year and a half, especially, you know, it's been an amazing relationship that I think has really benefited both of us massively.
0: Is there anything that you think from the end that, I'd say two things there See Me is the influence you can now see in the work that you do but perhaps in the work that you do you've seen them go the other way and influence See Me
4: Yeah definitely, so I've seen, I've seen what we do go one way to them, I've seen what the work that See Me does filter to us, not all of the work because there's lots of different things that See Me do and they focus on different areas, you know in Scotland where they've got different people that are taking that forward but in terms of the social movement work that has been something that's really helped. And I certainly feel that having a close relationship with the social movement lead means that the two of us actually, you don't feel so lonely. There's nobody else doing what I'm doing apart from Tony. And the fact that I can pick up a phone and I can speak to someone who genuinely understands that has made a massive difference. Um, And also has a perspective that's not so small and local but equally she can get a perspective of dynamics in a completely different way that comes from that sort of small and local. Plus also I've got relationships with other organisations that are different from theirs. So like I said, I work a lot, I have a lot of history in working with the Mental Health Foundation, with, especially with the Scottish Recovery Network, with other sort of mental health organisations across Scotland, you know, from HUG in, in Inverness, um, also linked, you know, new people at Plus Perth, you know, at RAMH and things like that. So that's all really helpful to be able to share networks and feel like you have trusted ways to kind of go, hey, these people are good, why don't you work with them? Um, I think it's been about um, building positive relationships and trust. And I think CME have really concentrated on that and it's paid dividends because ultimately... On the ground, what creates change in social contact theory is that I trust you. I look at you, there's something of you that I think that there's someone who I trust, I see something of myself, they're a peer in some fashion. I'm gonna tell them something or I'm gonna listen to what they have to say. So it's the same thing that you need of organizations. And in today's world, we need transparent, you know, self-managing organizations that are honest. That's what people will trust. So CMU is going to be able to create better change as a result of the way its organizational governance structure works. And um, that's certainly what I think I'd like to hope we've helped them a little bit too.
0: And is there anything, kinda of any specific examples that the partnership work has like led to things that you have done which you are really proud of up in Luria?
4: oh Oh my gosh. That's a question for this time of night
2: think
0: of a specific
4: example blame
0: it on the train oh been, my god I would have asked you this question at half past two and it would have been like oh, oh yes yeah. okay let's pretend that that's the case yeah.
4: one of the things that we one of the roles that I have that see funding helps me to have locally is that of third sector liaison which means that I work with the integrated joint board health and social care murray uh, along with Ailey brown who's from tsi murray the two of us share that role we like most third sector organisations linking with integration, a challenge to try and meet how do we get into that hierarchy, how do we actually create change when you don't get a vote on the board, when you don't, lots of things like that, how are we taken seriously? And for me, my question was, um, I really want to challenge the stigma inherent at the top of these structures so that we can really make change within health and social care. If we can get leaders to talk about their own experiences, if we can make it that they can change the policies of which they manage people, that makes a big difference. So that's something that CME helped to kind of clarify. Uh, I was one of the members of the Strategic Planning Commissioning Group. And uh, just even getting in there is exciting in itself. To have lived experience around the table, visible, and also challenging any sort of stigma that's going on in the room. Uh, by taking like a values-based approach. That's kind of the way I see it as. And one of the things that came up as an opportunity was to work on something called the Joint Strategic Needs Assessment, which is a, doesn't sound like the most exciting document in the world, but it's so important because it's about what are the needs of the people in this local area? And when you know what the needs are, that's what they'll basically base their whole plan on. How do we address those needs with the resources that we have? And as a result of having me, we were able to tap into Benj and he was amazing at being able to speak the language that the health intelligence people could speak. Like I struggle anyway, but I felt I could speak to a certain level, I have a certain level of knowledge and research, but there was things that I just, I just, just, it was, we were, we were getting nowhere and we were wasting their time and it felt like they were talking one language and we were talking another. He came along to like one meeting, he sent some emails, he pushed and he really helped us. And as a result, there's a section in the Joint Strategic Needs Assessment about social isolation. And whilst that might not say stigma all over it, it is, it's totally about that. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say like, it's not as if we've like, yeah, hey, we've won against people. That's not how it works. We helped our partners really see how important that was. And we helped them because we had CME's help. There's no way we could have done that. But the same thing was there's no way they would have been able to influence that in Murray without us. So it it worked both ways and everyone was pleased about that.
0: What are some of the kind of the unique issues that you guys have used perhaps the champions model to address?
4: So when you're saying that some of the unique challenges that we have in Murray and I think one of the other reasons why we are able to work at this higher strategic level is I do think that we are in a unique position in Murray in that because we're sandwiched between NHS Highland and we're NHS Grampian, but we're the slightly unpopular arm. And our colleagues in health and social care have been fighting for resources for a long time. So, having us join that fight helps them to achieve their goal and it helps the Scottish Government to hear that we exist, which is really important to them. And we have helped that to happen as a result of CME. So, everyone's going to be pleased about that. Um, one of the issues that we have, uh, we've got a variety of different interesting things. So issues, challenges, opportunities. We have an area that's actually hugely diverse. We have the military. We have people who come from farming backgrounds, going way back when. Fishing, way back when. We have loads of people who want to live alternative lifestyles, especially in like the Vindhorn area. So although Murray on the map does not look like a big place, you can theoretically drive from one end to the other on a good day in an hour, it's got everything in it. So it's kind of got a microcosm of all these different things. And there's an assumption as well that poverty doesn't touch here, but that's not true at all. We have a, the biggest rate, uh, the biggest problem in, in work poverty. So with people underemployed, we have a lot of people who are doing caring roles and have a job but can't do any more hours in that job, partly because they don't exist, partly because they haven't got the qualifications, but partly also because they have to do caring roles. We have big challenges in uh, digital poverty. So everybody's expecting everybody on universal credit to be, you know, bang on online. People can't even get their phone signals to work. And that's not, what's great about an area about Murray is that that's affecting people who are theoretically at the top of a hierarchy as much as it is, you know, people who are are having a challenge. So I think the difference for us in Murray, uh, one of the other issues as well is that you couldn't, what I noticed from other places when I'd worked is that when you talked about mental health, it, people were very much, the stigma was changing, people were talking about you know, it's not okay to discriminate for those people. It's the self-stigma that I think we've been particularly interested and focused on in Murray um, because actually in a small area, um, yes I'm quite sure there are there is stigma that goes on and we see visible stigma and there'll be bits of discrimination, but people will hear about it. What is the big challenge is that people don't reach. They put themselves down. They stay within their perceived lines. The Polk that come here as part of the military families, we've got a real challenge of getting them to come out into the community. And then the community members, a real challenge to get them to accept those people who have come from elsewhere without judgment. But also it's the self judgment that's actually really stopping them because they're, they don't know each other, we're not mixing. The same with people saying, oh, those, those people who come from Europe, they're from Fintorn, we don't want have anything to do with them. You know, it carries on year after year, these things. So it's the stealth stigma stuff that I think is particularly interesting. Right across the board, but I think we can do something interesting about it in Murray because of the particular situation that we're in.
0: And what's been some of the approaches that you've taken to try and challenge that? I think...
4: The the key approach for us to try and challenge self-stigma has been about building self-awareness. So you can't challenge self-stigma unless people know it actually exists. So when we say the word stigma, people think, yeah, it's you being bad to those people. And you go, well, who are these people? So we have the who are these people conversation, and then we have to do a bit of mental health sort of awareness work of actually that everyone has mental health it is a universal asset. And I suppose that's the approach that we've put together sort of an educational approach around mental health awareness and also trying to get people to think about their own well-being. And it's that then that takes us into how we challenge the self-stigma. Because if you're saying to people, okay, well, you want to live a wider life, and you want to be a better mum, or you want to you know, help that friend who's going through a rough time, or you want to get a job, or you... whatever. Whatever it is, you need to start looking at yourself. And that's a massively scary thing. In the modern world, the concept of that is very much centred around fault and blame. So actually you need to look at yourself because actually it's your fault. Why have you got depression? Because really you don't run enough. You know, you don't. And no, it's not. You know, I'm bringing in elements around education, around like aces and things like that, where people are understanding. It's not to blame the stuff, but again, take it into context and then say, okay, well, I've got these cards. What do I do with them? So all of these elements come together for us around this sort of reflective practice approach of getting people to build on, I did this, and it felt like this, why did it feel like this, and now what? You know, what worked, what next? And a playfulness about everything that they do. That kind of, those elements existed in lots of different places, I felt, um, and lots of elements across lots of different, I guess, sectors, around wellness and, and around, anti-stigma work what I think we've done differently is we've said it's not your problem, it's our collective challenge. You do not hold that. We are here to hold the weight of that together because actually humans are social animals. So I think the thing that we are doing differently and we're really passionate about is interconnectivity. We live in a, a world where we are disconnected, we're ever more connected, supposedly. But actually what we're doing is we are disconnecting. We are. We are... F- giving uh, false ideas of our own life on things like social media because we're trying to become something better. Um, we are no longer in contact with people that perhaps we had a history with, um, people that maybe we grew up with, our family. We move a lot. We also have the gig economy in terms of work, which means that we don't build up strong relationships with people we work with. We do a project, we move out. The difference in Murray is that lots of people haven't moved. We do have people that have those elements, but what we're doing is we're using that as a resource to help, to say to people, right, that's actually a strength. The fact that you could turn up to, um, like, an anti-stigma campaign meeting or, uh, you know, pass the badge or uh, a living life to the full course, right? You could turn up to one of those because you want to create personal change and you sit beside your old babysitter and that kid that bullied you at school that's a strength, that's not a weakness and we're gonna call it out immediately and we're gonna give everybody the right to reinvent themselves in this space. That's massive and scary. So hopefully by being strong with our values and and really sticking by them, we're able to do that because it could really easily spin out and all over the place and cause a lot of distress, but we are not up for doing anything surface. So I think the reason for that is because, partly because I know I'm from here When I worked in mental health in other places, I wasn't from those places. Yes, I was passionate. I worked. It wasn't like I hid my lived experience. It's not the same as being in your backyard where everybody knew you, or your aunt, you know, your aunties, your uncles, those kids that bullied you, the teachers that were at your school, you know, walking around streets where you remember people having good times and bad times, then having children. And then coming out being very open and honest and using all of your loved experience to try and create change. It's a very different thing. And I think that is the difference is that's what we are offering champions. We don't ever out a champion, but we know that within our 200 champions that we're up to now is that we have people who are leaders of business. We have people that are high up in health and social care. We have people from all walks of life, all ages, including young champions they are doing their own bits, whether it's down at Tesco, whether it's like, just the way that they talk to their own family members but there's something that we've given them, maybe a little bit of hope that change is possible because that's what we're about, we're about disruption we're about change and that is scary, but because there's loads of us we're not quite legion, but there's lots of us, that you can sit beside someone else and you can say, wow, you're scared too maybe this is fun instead of being scared, maybe I can reinvent myself, so yeah
0: so it's really interesting with that kind of element of how connected people can be from their past, their community, and as you say might be sat with your former teacher or the person that bullied you at a school, which could be quite a unique thing to, in an area like this compared to if you're in Edinburgh or Aberdeen or Glasgow or bigger cities like that. So what is it that, say... The kind of messaging or anything that came from me from that national level that's that kind of still resonates with such in something that's such quite a unique circumstance. What is it from the wider thing that actually hits home within that?
4: I think the fact that um, we can connect with a national voice, so we can say, yeah, okay, we are the voice in Murray. We are these this collective of people that's passionate about wellbeing, but we've got other fellow humans who are passionate about them. In, the, in tiny pockets, right across Scotland. Wow, isn't that amazing? Like, that's so exciting. They've signed up to something very slightly different to us. And the champions of CME are different to the champions of the Murray Wellbeing Hub. There are a few that cross over, but that's not quite worked the way that maybe we hoped. We thought maybe that would be a thing that would work. But the champions in Murray tend to stay in Murray. It's not that they're not up for national work, but they are used to connections and seeing the whites of people's eyes. And I think they really feel for the champions that's like the one person in a town somewhere. But then that one person in the town has a a network that's across. So the fact is that I think it, it reiterates to them about the fact that there can be different communities. So this might not be the place that they stay. We've had people who have left here as champions and have gone down to Glasgow because of education or work or just life. And they've gone on to try and connect with other similar things. The other thing I think CME has given us is that really clear thing about the um, social contact theory. So we can say to people this is what we're doing. This is what CME is doing. This is important. This is how you're creating change. Because I don't think people understand. Because we have champions that come to us and they'll say "Look, I've not done anything for ages. I'm really embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't be a champion. And you're like what do you mean? Like, What is there? They're like a sheet that we're ticking you against. You've done loads of things and we have to go back and say look here see me, Remember, big see me. aren't they exciting? they're national? You know they get funding from the government and they say it's about this, it's about social contact, it's about you talking to your neighbor. Oh, no, I do do that. Well, there you go.
0: Do you feel uh, do you feel like the champions here are and do they feel part of a bigger social movement? That's
4: a really good question. I've tr- tried to make them feel part of that. I can't say. We talk about we make a lot of references to the two hundred people. Whenever we get a number, we say how many people. What we say is when you speak to that person in Tesco's, when you make that, you know, extra effort to ask someone the question about suicide or you challenge someone, you have it's not you, it's the two hundred people behind you that's asked that question.
0: What do you think is the biggest impact that CME has had on the work in Murray and what's happening up here?
4: Um well I think that's the biggest impact. The biggest impact I would say that CME has had on us has been their ability to support the leadership of Murray Wellbeing Hub in social movement. To give us research input to pull in other national resources. It's not all, it's not all about money, it's about hey you need to speak to this person you know, or actually we've seen what you're doing, it's really good. 'Cause you just feel like you're in a void. You're out in the north, you don't go to you can't go to like parliamentary reception or whatever without massive effort. You can't pop into someone's office. And it's really helped to feel like you're part of something bigger. For us in the leadership roles and the you know, the other directors. Um, it's been massive. So without if CME hadn't given us the support that they've given us, um, We wouldn't be in the same state that we are today. I think we'd still have a social movement. I think we'd still have champions, but it'd be much smaller. And it certainly wouldn't have as good connections and influence and links to integrated joint board and the health and social care and be able to make the changes that it wants to. So I think that's been really what it's brought, is its expertise and some of its power. Do
0: you feel like you're? that like you are making a difference with actually
4: tackling stigma and discrimination? I really feel that we're, we're tackling stigma and discrimination because I feel it. I feel it because my friends, other parents that I've met through having children, come up to me and will have conversations with me as a result of things that they have seen that they don't know came from me in the first place. I have people who will, you know... One of the one of my colleagues just showed me like a text message that they got. We get these amazing things that are people come in and they just say, Wow, you've just, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and you've really made a difference to my day. The what I think must be really hard for the national champions and for the CME team is that you don't get to meet that person that you went to school with that suddenly turns around to you and says, You're doing a great job, I'd really like to do what you're doing now. And I've suffered for all these years and I never spoke about it, but you've helped me to come out and be honest about it. That's just mind blowing. That's not doing a nice job, that's living a really honest and authentic life. So, there's definitely we're making a difference. We are being asked by companies to come in and do training, and we're able to sell the fact that we are local, we are good quality, and we make a difference and so we're making a difference to people's lives in stigma and discrimination because we're saying the very thing that stopped you getting a job is what's going to make you employable because you're a better trader and why other people haven't picked up on this I just don't know and if there's one thing that I would want the Scottish government to understand is this idea of harnessing the power of lived experience it is something that we have in spades in Scotland we talk about having a well being society, then use the whole self. People talk about bringing your whole self to work. How can you possibly bring your whole self to work if you still have stigma? Our job is to be the specialists in that. Our job is to now locally be the people that people turn to and say, okay, I'm trying to get the best out of my team. What can I do? So it's not even about mental health, it is about actually, what do I do to help these human beings? To bring them bring themselves to work how do i have an authentic conversation with someone that is massive
0: and on the flip side of that if then you you were aware of i guess the discrimination that was happening or you saw someone acting in a bit of a discriminatory way what would you you realize experiences what would you say to them
4: to the person that was discriminating so i think what's really different about maybe how traditionally people would want to tackle somebody who was taking on discriminatory actions or was not really behaving in a way that we would see as appropriate, is that traditionally there would be blame and there would be a lot of judgment on that person. When we take an approach that says what's going on for that person, we are there to protect the individual that feels that they are experiencing stigma, but we are not they are to damage the person that's putting out stigma. Most of the time, the people who say most stigmatising things are saying it because they're hearing it in their head every day about themselves. If we recognise that, we show them a compassionate response, we help to correct some of their misunderstandings, we actually listen to what they have to say, they can turn into very valuable assets and they're often the best champions that you can have.
0: Okay, that was Heidi's interview there. Really, really interesting uh, when we went up and chatted to her. I thought really interesting hearing back again, particularly touching on ideas around lived experience leadership as well. What did you think of that, Tony?
3: Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that's been really, really successful in Murray um, and their approach is that they have been starting to talk a lot about how we break down barriers to who has mental health and who doesn't and how we can start to build... Social contact into lived experience leadership. So one of the ways in which um, Heidi and the the Murray Wellbeing Hub are trying to approach this is by saying that it's not just a social contact approach that you build in, where you bring somebody in to tell their story as part of a an input, but that that how do, how do we build capacity to, and leaders to feel more comfortable about sharing their own lived experience and how we can start to. Build that right through all our structures, so that that will then encourage and support others to talk to talk openly. And I think that that's definitely been one of the real success stories in in Murray, where they've managed to to draw in a, just a wide range of champions who hold different professional roles and, and and personal roles. And I think that the more that we can encourage social contact approaches to be diverse and different, um, especially through leadership roles, I think that that will be on to um something really successful so yeah it has been really helpful for me
0: definitely and claire is that something that you've seen through through work the sort of the power that that has and the, how effective that is having that lived experience leadership
1: yeah most definitely and i think um i think heidi maybe speaks about this in the um recording as well but some of the key things that we've had we've been around the health um Health and Social Care partnership tables, um, senior leaders with lived experience from the Monterey wellbeing hub have been sitting on them and giving um their input from both perspectives um and them feeling confident to do that. We've also had um that's been done in collaboration with some semi staff and Heidi herself, um so that real mix of people in the room to push that agenda for it to get stigma looked at um by using all of those different skills that people have but allowing them to feel confident to speak about their own their own experiences as well um has been yeah as as you said tony it's worked really well in murray today and it'd be really really nice to be able to try that in other areas
0: definitely definitely well thank you so much guys for joining us today and for chatting that through um my eye for no apparent reason has just started stinging uncontrollably so i'm gonna go and have a look at what's going on there um <laughs> but yeah so any more information you want on stuff like this uh murray Wellbeing hub have recently released uh, a campaign wired differently um which is really interesting and one uh, you should check out looking at diagnoses and labels and the impact of that And if you want to find out more about the social movement, it's report.seamescotland.org where you can find our journey of the social movement report and loads of interesting, inspiring, amazing stories there. Uh, So I think that's it. Just uh, say goodbye to Dee and Claire and Tony. Goodbye, everybody.
3: Bye. Goodbye.
0: Bye. Thanks. Goodbye, everyone.